in John chapter 6. This is a powerful chapter. This is a loaded chapter. There's so much in this section of verses. Last week we covered two miraculous events. We talked about the feeding of the 5,000 men, which could have been up to 25-ish thousand people. And we discussed how that He is the bread of life and He is the bread of life for the Jew and the Gentile and all those who would believe. And what He's doing here is amazing. What He's doing here is absolutely perfect. He's going to start to discuss not physical bread, but He's going to discuss a spiritual bread that is He. It is him that is the bread of life. And he uses this miracle to pique their interest and to get them interested in physical food so then he can deliver the lesson. And we'll talk about that more tonight. And we'll see some parallels between the woman at the well who was seeking physical water, but was told that there is a spiritual water, living waters that are found in him. And the, these people are coming for physical bread and they're going to get told that that Physical bread will perish, but there is a bread that is eternal. So we're going to see some parallels between the woman at the well and this group of people that we see in John chapter 6. But let us remember where we left off before we read these verses today. That Jesus had done the miracle, the feeding of the, the multitude there, and because they saw what he had done, they reasoned in their heart that they wanted to come and take him as king. He knew this and he withdrew. And then we know that the disciples got on the Sea of Galilee and they began to row to the other side. A storm came up. Here comes Jesus walking on the water. He declares he's ego I me. He declares that he is Yahweh. And then they end up on the other side of the shore, to the other side of the sea immediately. And now they're in Capernaum. And this is where this story picks up. But if you remember that the people who had saw him feed the multitude, they go back to where that event took place and they don't find him. His disciples aren't there. He's not there. They realize that Jesus didn't get in the boat with the disciples and they're trying to figure out what is going on. So they begin to seek Jesus, not for the right reasons, but because of what he'd done. And this story is going to set up with they get in their boats, and they row across the Sea of Galilee to the other side, to Capernaum. Now they come and they find him at Capernaum, and they ask him, when did you get here? And this is where this story picks up. Now we've been covering some verses, but this morning we are not going to pick a lot of verses. We're going to. We'll go to this morning, and we will finish up going down to verse 36. This evening. So read with me here in verse 26 and verse 27. Knowing that they are coming seeking him. Here's what he said. Jesus answered them. And said. Truly, truly, I say to you. You seek me. Not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on Him the Father, God, has set His seal. Let's pray over these verses today. Father, thank You that You've allowed us to be here today to gather on 
the Lord's Day to come and worship You, to come and praise You, to come and honor You. Lord, let our motive and our focus be on You and not us. And Lord, I pray that You would open our eyes to these two verses because there is such depth and such beauty in these two verses. And Father, I pray that You would give us understanding that we've never had before. I pray that You would just make Your Word clear. And Lord, let us grow in our sanctification as we learn more about You. And let us grow in our worship of You as we know who You are more and more. Lord, we thank You that You are the bread. You are the food that has come down from heaven that gives eternal life. And Lord, we are so thankful that You have set Your seal upon Your Son. And Lord, we're thankful that as Your children, You have set a seal upon us. We give You praise and honor and glory. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So they are here. Look why they're here. They ate of the loaves and were filled. This is no accident. This is no mistake that Jesus is going to use the miracle of the feeding of the multitude, which involved the bread, to bring upon them this point of who he is. And he says to them in verse 26, truly, truly. Now we just mentioned this and this is important. We want to be trained to see this. When we go to the Scripture and we see truly, truly, we're to take great attention to all of Scripture. But when we see truly, truly, let us stop for even a longer second and realize that what is being said is of great importance. And I always find it interesting because this truly, truly is where we would get our word, amen. And what's interesting is that we say amen at the end of a sentence or at the end of something. We'll say something, we'll say amen, truth, it is, so be it. But Jesus says it before what he's going to say. He doesn't need to get to the end because what he says is true. He's saying, amen, amen, truly, truly, this is what is true, what I'm getting ready to tell you. So there's great importance here. And he says to them, he calls them out. He sees into their soul. He sees that they're there for the physical bread. He sees that they are wanting him to continue to do these things for them. They're looking for the temporal. And he says to them, truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. They want more. They want more physical bread. They want a king who can come and if there's ever a famine in the land, then all he has to do is speak the words and there's never a famine because he can just supply this bread and this food on demand. They can eat like kings. They can eat like royalty. They can have all their temporal stuff provided for them. And that's why they're seeking him. And he knows that. He knows the heart of everyone. He knows why you're here. He knows why people come to church. And a lot of times, like we mentioned, people come because they want God to do something for them. They need help in an area. So they'll come and they'll, they'll pray and they want Jesus to fix it all. They want the temporal. They want the, the benefits that only He can give, but they don't want Him. 
They didn't want him. They weren't seeking him because they loved him. They weren't seeking him because they were spiritually changed. They weren't seeking him because they wanted to, to, to believe the gospel message. They were seeking him for the food and the bread. And he sees it and he calls it out to them. And he's getting ready to tell them that, that what they just saw in the feeding of the, the multitude is so much deeper. And there's something so much more than this physical bread. It's something that is eternal. You know this. I don't know if anybody else is bad with this, but you know, you, you get the bread and you put it back up and then you forget about it. And you, you're like, I wonder if this is good. And then there's the occasional loaf that has slid to the back somewhere and you pull it out and you're like, this is not right. Shouldn't be this color and it shouldn't have this on it. Because if you leave bread long enough, you will know that it is temporal and it perishes. And the bread that they were chasing here is that same way. Everything in this life is temporal. The things that are not of God, the things that are seen are temporal. But he tells us in 2 Corinthians that the things that are unseen, those are the things that are eternal. He's going to give them the bread of life that is eternal. This is why he's bringing this on the hills of the feeding of the multitude. And then he goes down to verse 27, which will be the last verse we cover today. We're almost done, right? Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him the Father, God, has set his seal. We're going to talk today in length about what it means that the Father, God, has set his seal upon his Son. And at the end of all that, we're going to talk about that God has set a seal on every believer. And it should give us hope, and it should give us peace, and it should give us comfort that we have this seal. And he tells them, do not work for food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life. We see people in the world today, they are striving, they are seeking, they are working for the temporal things, the material things, and they will all be done away with. We are to strive for the things that are eternal. Where is our focus? Is it on the temporal? Is it on the possession? Is it on the here and the now? Or is it on the eternal? Everything that we own one day will either be someone else's or it will perish with fire on the last day. It is not eternal, but the things of God are. And he tells them, and we're going to find this tonight, that these people get a little bit confused. Because he tells them in this verse, do not work for the food which perishes but for the food which endures to eternal life. And they are going to think tonight that they have to work. There's specific works they have to do to earn eternal life. And he's going to tell them what that work is. Believe. That's the work of the Father. You want eternal life, you believe. But they twist this and they think that they have to work. And we'll see that come out tonight, but it's there's nothing that we can do and work our way to heaven. It is by faith and faith alone which justifies us. But it says, which the Son of Man will give you. And this is going to come back to be very important in the, the sixth chapter of the gospel according to John. If you get home today and you were like, I don't have anything else to do, 
then you go through the book of John chapter six and you look how many references in chapter six talk about Jesus coming from heaven, sent from the father, the one coming down from heaven. And you know that the son of man is the is the the title that Jesus uses the most of of any title in the New Testament to describe himself. And if you remember why that's significant, we go back to Daniel chapter seven, verses 13 and 14. And it says that that one, the son of man ascended to the throne beside the ancient of days to to rule and to reign and have all authority and dominion. And John 3, verse 13 tells us that no one has ascended to the Father except for the one who has descended down, the Son of Man. So the one who ascended back to the Father to rule and reign is the one who descended first, the Son of Man. That is why Jesus uses that so frequently to describe himself, because he did come down. He did get raised to resurrection to be with the Father, and he rules and reigns. This is a title of authority and power. And we're going to see this all through the gospel of John chapter six. He came down. He's the bread that came down. He was sent from the father. He came down. This is a theme that is over and over repeated in this chapter, even though there wasn't such thing as John chapter six when this was written. But you will see this all through what we call John chapter six. And it says, which the son of man will give to you. For on him, the father God has set his seal. There's such depth in that. There's such meaning in that. But before we do that, I want to just read a few verses about working for the food that is eternal. Do you remember in John chapter four, we see here on your your paper in verse 31 through 34, he had just uh, discussed and spoken to this lady at the well, the Samaritan woman. And they come back, the disciples come back from town. They went to get Jesus food and they went to get themselves food. And he tells them that he has a different food. Not perishable food, but eternal food. Listen to what he says. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying one to another, no one brought him anything to eat, did he? Jesus said to him, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. That is the bread of the son too. That is the food of the son to do the will of the father. And we're going to see in this verse, what did we see? It was the father who sent me to accomplish his work. That's going to be so important when we talk about the seal that the father has put upon him. Matthew 4, 4 says, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God, because out of the mouth of God comes life eternal. His words are life and spirit. And in Matthew 16, 26, these people were wanting the temporal. They were wanting to give it all for the things that were perishable. And I think that the question arises here. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? The temporal, the pleasure, the earthly? Or do we realize that the eternal is all that matters? Sometimes we as Christians lose sight of that, don't we? We're so here in the now and we're so looking at the the temporal and, and the worldly and we're right here, but we lose sight of the eternal. Let us never lose sight of everything that we do is looking forward to the eternal. And let that be our bread as Christians. Let that be our food that we do the will of 
God, and we find that will in His Word. But let's get to the point of God the Father has set His seal upon Him. Why can Jesus give eternal life? Why can He be the one who gives the bread that is, leads to eternal life? And the Bible is clear. He can do that because the Father has set His seal upon Him. And we're going to see what this means. There's a Greek word that's used here. In this word, which means to seal, to put a mark on an object, to show possession, authority, identity, or security. And then you can go into a little bit different form of this root word. And we see that it can mean to seal with a signet ring or other instrument, to stamp, to attest ownership, validating what is sealed. It can signify full security, carried the authority, the backing of the one who sealed it. It was a legal signature. It guaranteed the promise of what was sealed. So we look in antiquity and we see this. And one of the, one of the greatest examples we see of this is when a king would send out a document or send out something that was from him, what they would do is they would take wax. There would be wax on the, the document. And what the, the king would have would, the, would have his signet ring and it would be of him, it would show it was his signet ring, it belonged to him, it was his signature, if you will. And to show that it came from the king, he would take his signet ring, he would take it into the wax, and he would imprint it. Showing it was from the king. Showing it carried the king's authority. Showing it carried the king's backing. It validated that it was from the king. It carried the promises of the king. And this is what we see with the Father upon the Son. He set a seal upon Him. This is what is represented here. We see that the Father sealing the Son, giving Him that seal upon Him. It shows that He was sent by the King. It shows that He was authenticated by the King. It showed that He spoke on behalf of the King. It showed he had authority of the king. And it showed that whatever promises were made, it carried that full backing of the king. And this is what happened in the incarnation. That the father sends the son, seals him. The reason that he can be the bread of life, the reason that he can give eternal life is because he has the authority from the Father. He has the validation from the Father. He has the authority of the Father. He has the backing of the Father. He's speaking on behalf of him. What beauty there is in this verse. He has set his seal upon him. This is why he can be the bread of life, the one who gives life to the world. It truly is remarkable. Can you imagine getting that document? It comes and you see the signet of the king. You know that this came from him. And whatever is in it carried his weight, carried his words, carried his promise, carried his validation. And this is what is happening to the son. There's such beauty here. Jesus had the authority to give the food that endures to eternal life because the Father had set His seal upon Him. And we see this, the authority that Jesus has in Matthew 28, verse 18. It says, And Jesus came up and spake, spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. 
the seal of the Father, the power, the authority, the attestation, the validation is upon the Son. Let's look at this authority to give life. John 17, Perry, verse 1 through 5 says this, Jesus spoke these things and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you, even as you gave him authority over all flesh that to whom you have given, he may give eternal life. That's because he set his seal upon him as he sent from the father. When you go back to antiquity, you see the true depth of what is happening here. With the sentence, the Father set a seal upon him. John 12, 49 through 50. Remember, if, if a document had the signet stamp of the king, then whatever those words were for the, you read, they were from the king. They were from him. And Jesus has the seal of the Father upon him, so he speaks on behalf of the Father. And we see that in John chapter 12, verse 49. For I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me. It's the, it's the going out, it's the sending. And for him to be the one who can give life, it's because he was sealed by the Father. I do not speak of my own initiative, but the Father himself who has given me, who has sent me, has given me a commandment as to, do, as to what to say and what to speak. I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. In Luke 10, verse 16 says, the one who listens to you listens to me. And the one who rejects you, you rejects me and he who rejects me, the one who sent me. If you don't believe the son, you don't believe the father because he has the seal set upon him, carrying the words, the weight, the authority, the validation of the father. And then we know John 1.18 tells us that no one has seen the father at any time, but we've seen the invisible God made visible in the incarnation of the son. And you know why he came to exegete the father to speak on behalf of the Father, to explain the Father. Go back to what that meant in antiquity, that a seal was set upon. The weight, the authority, the promise, the backing, the validation. That's what it meant that a king would seal something. And here we have the Father putting a seal upon the Son, sending Him into the world to exegete Him, to speak on His behalf to be the backing of the promises. That is why he can give life because he has been sent by the Father and the Father has set his seal upon him. And we're going to find out here in a minute. We're going to see that there's always, there's a sealing that comes and it's, it's in conjunction with the Spirit. And we're going to see where the Jesus was sealed, if you will. And now we're going to get to where we as believers are sealed. And it comes to what we just mentioned. It comes to the Holy Spirit. At this conversation, at this conversation, the last two days, and it really bothered me. I'm not going to lie to you. I was asked if I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Question it because I didn't speak in tongues, which you don't believe are biblical. And I looked at this pastor and told him what I'm getting ready to tell you today. Every believer is sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise when you believe. That is what happens when you believe. So the, the Son has the seal of the Father to go to speak and be validated on His behalf and carry His authority. 
And that is why He can give eternal life. But those whom He comes and He saves at the moment of that conversion, do you know what happens? You, as a believer, are also sealed. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. It is as God stamps you and says, you are mine. I can validate them. They are mine. The promise of eternal being with Him in glory is a guarantee because remember, the the seal carried the promise of the King. And when we are saved, He seals us with the Spirit of promise. With that backing that we can guarantee that we will be in heaven. That we are validated, that we are sons of God because of that seal. That's a beautiful thing. Not only is the Son set with a seal from the Father, we are sealed when we are saved. And the Bible states that God, when He sovereignly regenerates us and saves us through faith, we're saved and we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. The believer is sealed by God to show that we belong to the King. We have authentication that we're His sons. We have been given His approval through His Son. We have protection by the King. And we have the promise of perseverance. Because we've been sealed by God. And I just want to go through these verses here. Just, I didn't copy and paste and put them on your sheet. So just turn with me, if you will, as we read the Holy Spirit sealing us to the day of redemption. And if you want to know why we believe in eternal security, if you will, or perseverance of the saints, because, well, number one, salvation is of God. And he writes your name in the Lamb's book of life before the world was. And then we look to the golden chain and it says that those whom he foreknew, he predestined, those whom he predestined, he, he called, those who he calls, he justifies, and those who he justifies, he glorifies. So those who he foreknows, he is a, it's a guarantee they will be glorified. We know that the, the shepherd doesn't lose any that are in his hands, but all are raised with him on the last day. Next Sunday, we will read in John 30, or John chapter 6, verse 37 through 40, which speaks so much So much depth in election, predestination, perseverance. We know that all the Father gives, they come. And guess what happens? All of them are raised. Not one are dropped out. Not one lose. And if people profess Christianity and then they fall away, 1 John tells us what the answer is. They were never really one to begin with. Look at Judas. Judas looked like the Christian on the outside, didn't he? He was never truly saved. The Bible says that it's the will of the Son to everyone the Father gives. They're raised up on the last day. That's perseverance. The last few verses of Jude tells us that it is Christ who keeps us from stumbling. Christ who makes us holy and blameless for that day. We also know that before the the throne of God, we have a high priest who intercedes for his people as long as he lives. Now, you can figure out how long he lives. And then that's how long he intercedes for you. So for one to be truly saved, Jesus has to not do the will of the Father. He has to fail as a shepherd and he has to fail as a high priest. I don't ever want to say that again because he doesn't and he never will. And these verses that are going to talk about when we become Christians, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which guarantees us eternal life. Remember, the seal of the king also carried the backing of his promises. 
And we are sealed with that spirit. Listen to these verses in 2 Corinthians. Chapter 1, verse 20 through 22. For as many as are the promises of God, in him they are yes. Therefore also through him is our amen to the glory of God through us. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us is God. And all who also sealed us and gave us the spirit in our hearts as a pledge. It's a guarantee. He pledged it. And we're going to find out what that pledge is as we continue to work through these verses. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul is writing about the temporal and the eternal. And look what he says in verse 1 of chapter 5. It says, For we know that if the earthly tent, this is our body, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed, in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. Inasmuch as we, having put it on, we will not be found naked. For indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan, because, because being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. So now he's talking about our eternal home when we die, our eternal home. And look what he says in verse Five. Now he who has prepared us for this very purpose is God who gave us, who gave to us the spirit as a pledge. A seal. It's from the king. Stamp it. It carries his authority. Stamped. It's his promise. You're stamped. You're sealed. It has all authority from the king. All backing from the king. That is what happens when we are saved. What beautiful peace and what beautiful security that the true believer has. Because what he started in eternity past, he ends in eternity future. We go to Ephesians chapter 1. Got to be honest with you, I'm tempted to read all 14 verses, but I'm not. I won't do that. I want to. Tempted. All right, I'll do it. <laughs> Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you. Peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Now, we won't exegete this, but listen. This is election. This is predestination. You listen to it. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us to adoption as sons through Christ to Himself. Why? Why did He do that? According to the kind intention of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. 
In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His kind intention, which He purposed in Him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. In Him... Also, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we were who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. Now, listen, this is the verses that I used to justify and tell this man that had asked me if I was filled or if I was had the Holy Spirit. Listen. He's talking about those who he, he chose before the world was. He, he, he lavished his grace upon us. It was his free will, his kind intention. In him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you will find no other parameters there. Not speaking in tongues, not giving, not coming to... None of that is scriptural. After you believed, what? You were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise. It doesn't seem like a big deal, but to say that you can lose your salvation, do you know what it strikes at the heart as? At that God is a liar. Because He's promised you, He's pledged you that you will be there in heaven with Him that you will have an inheritance. And what's even more amazing, and the KJV does this beautifully. The KJV says this pledge and they translate it to where we get earnest. And we've mentioned it before, but it's the same thing as putting earnest money down if you buy something. And the KJV, their, their rendering of this, this the word they, they drive into this text basically says this, that the Holy Spirit, when He comes and saves you, He puts Himself down as earnest money. Now what happens if you put earnest money down and you don't come and get and gather what you've put earnest money down on? The earnest money gets kept. Do you see what's at stake here? That God the Holy Spirit puts Himself down as a pledge. And if he does not make good on that pledge and come and redeem and restore and gather those whom he's pledged, then it's the Holy Spirit who no longer exists. He's no longer God. That would make him a liar. That seems harsh, doesn't it? But he has made the pledge upon us. Think about the king. Think about the wax. Think about the stamp. That's what he does to the believer. Authenticated by the king. Sealed by the king. The promises of the king are upon you. The validation that you're his is upon you. And he will make good on his promise. And you will have that inheritance. And this eternal life comes through Christ. And he's the one who gives that eternal life. He's the way, the truth, the life. Why can he give that eternal life? Because the Father, God, has set his seal upon him to go do the work that was required, to go speak on behalf of the Father, 
to go do the work of the Father, to go be validated by the Father so that He could then bring about our salvation. The triune nature of God. You know that it's triune. The Father elects. The Son goes and dies, purchases those whom the Father has given, and then the Holy Spirit goes and regenerates and seals. Think about that honor that you and I don't deserve if you're a child of God. That at the moment that He sealed you, the signet ring of the King of the universe is stamped upon you to say, this one is mine. That's mine. And I will come to get them one day. There's such beauty here in this little verse, isn't there? Why can he be the bread of life? The Father set a seal upon him. Why can you and I have hope? Because in our salvation, the Holy Spirit seals us by the King. Continue with me into Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. You've heard the first part of this verse. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Has anybody ever heard that verse? Yes. But the, the ending of it is just as good. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for what? For the day of redemption. You see what's going on here? The king has sealed you. The Godhead has sealed you. You're his. By his own purpose, his own grace, his own mercy. And the promise of that eternal home doesn't come from man, but it comes from the king. Second Timothy chapter two. We're almost there. Second Timothy chapter two. Verse 19. It says, Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows who are His. Amen? Let me just stop just for a second, if I may. Do you believe that God is omniscient? Do you believe that He's all-knowing? Isn't it weird that he says that he knows those are his? He knows everyone. He does know everyone. He's created everyone. He's, he put the number of hairs on your head. He knows the number of seconds you'll live on this earth because he's ordained it. He's declared it. So what's different? Well, we find parallel to this in Matthew 7. Do you remember where he says that many on the last day will come and they'll say, Lord, didn't we do this in your name? Didn't we do the external religious things in your name? But what will he say to them? Depart from me. Why? I never knew you. He's omniscient. He knows it all. What is he talking about? There's a special love upon his people. He foreknew them. He set his heart upon them. He set his love upon them before the world was. He knew them intimately and salvifically. And that's what he's talking about. Those who are sealed, he knows. He knows salvifically and intimately them. He knows his sheep and his sheep know him. 
And it says here that it is this seal that the Lord knows who are his and everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. And then we have in the book of Revelation, I gave you three scriptures there that talk about that those who are of God are sealed on their forehead. And then we find it later that that seal is the name of God upon their forehead. And those who are in heaven, as Revelation 22 says, they are the ones that have been sealed. Those are the ones that have the name of God on their forehead, symbolically saying what? Upon your regeneration, the Holy Spirit came and put a seal upon you. And that seal came from the King. And now you wear His name for all eternity. There's such beautifulness in this. He says that the Son of Man can give life. Why? Because the Father God has set His seal upon Him, gave Him His authority, His backing, His validation, carried all the weight from the Father. And once we are saved, we are sealed and stamped as well. Guaranteeing our inheritance. And I'd mentioned that we see that this sealing and the Holy Spirit go together. And where do we see this validation the most clear? Where do we see, remember, the stamp meant that it was validated. Whatever was stamped by the king, sealed by the king, it, it was, that thing was validated. It was from him. He could speak, yes, I approve. Where do we see this at? Upon his son, we go to the baptism of him, this son. He ba Jesus is baptized. And what comes down from heaven? The Holy Spirit comes down and lights upon him. And then what do you hear out of heaven? The seal from the Father. This is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased to set his seal upon the Son. This is why he can be the bread of life. This is why he gives eternal life. Because he has the seal of the Father. And we see that declaration when the Spirit comes down upon him. And the voice of the Father gives that validation. Shows us that seal and says, this is my beloved son whom I've sent. In him, I am well pleased. That's what the father cries that day. But we as believers, we are also sealed as we've been talking about this this whole time. We are sealed by the same Holy Spirit that came to rest upon Jesus at his baptism. And we are not his only begotten son whom he's well pleased in. But his seal upon us tells us that we are validated, that we are his sons, that we are his children. And the reason that he's pleased with us is not because of us. It is because of his son and his righteousness that is applied to us. 
And the one who set his, that the Father set a seal upon, it is Him who covers us with His righteousness. It is that Spirit that seals us. And that is why He can look at His children and say, these are my children. They're mine. And I'm pleased because they're covered in the righteousness of the one I set my seal upon. It's an amazing thought, isn't it? That if you're a Christian today, you've been marked. You've been sealed. And God says you're mine. The Father set His seal upon Jesus to have authority to give bread that leads to eternal life. And those who are regenerated and sealed by the Spirit have a promise that they will dwell with Him forever. And here's what I want you to know. I'll end you with this. There's a lot of people that can make you promises in this world. We're getting ready to come into the Sermon on the Mount. And the next set of verses is going to be summarized in this. As a Christian, if you give somebody your word, let it be truth. And you've probably had people lie to you. You've had people promise you things and did not come through. Maybe you've had people that have so, been so close to you that has let you down. But I'm here to tell you today, if you're a Christian, you've got a promise that has been set upon you that goes beyond all doubt. Not because it was sealed by an earthly king in some wax. Because it was sealed upon you by the king of kings upon your heart. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, our hearts are overwhelmed with what you have done for us. Lord, when we think that you set your seal upon your Son, that he would come, speak on your behalf, have authority carry the promises that are from you. Lord, and why he had to do it. And Lord, we're so thankful that you did set your seal upon him and you were pleased with him because he came to do a work that no one else could do. And Lord, because you sealed him, you set your seal upon him, we can have eternal life. And Lord, we thank you for that. Let us never forget that. Let us forever be in awe of that. And Lord, I want to thank you that one day you came 
and you regenerated my soul. And I heard the message of the gospel and I believed. And when I believed, Lord, you sealed me with the Holy Spirit of promise. And Lord, I thank you that that promise is eternal. And I thank you for what that means today. I pray that we would all find hope, find joy, find peace, find comfort, find praise to you in this thought. And Lord, I thank you that you've set this seal upon our hearts, which is a promise that is eternal and sure. And that one day we will have our inheritance. We will dwell with you forever because you've sealed us with that promise. We thank you, God. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.